welcome to Mind Talks. My name is Nathan, and I'm with my co-host Edwin. How are you, Ed? I'm all right, you know. I'm good. I'm good. Been a been a busy day, productive day, but yeah, I'm all blessed. How have you been? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, just one of those days. Can't complain, and just happy to be alive. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, guys. So today we've got another special guest. And this is what I would call a milestone. And the reason being is because this is our first professional athlete. And even before we even start this interview, we just really want to say that we are extremely, extremely happy and appreciate this opportunity. And we hope that all of our listeners actually um, will get something from this wonderful individual. So just to give you a little bit of a background, um, this is a basketball player and she made her Team GB debut in 2009. She appeared at the Olympics as part of Great Britain's first women's basketball team. She's played in a variety of countries and they all need to be included. Spain, England, Hungary, Latvia, and Australia. In 2019, she was given a special presentation for her 100th cap, which was at the Great Britain Greece qualifier. So without further ado, Azania Stewart. <laughs> hey guys, how are we? Not too oh, bad. Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really lovely to join you both. Yeah, we are really, really extremely honoured and privileged that um, you have really, you know, accepted this invitation. Really, really, really happy. So what we'd like to start off with is, a, is about the lockdown. But rather than ask, you know, how you've been during this lockdown, what would you say has been your biggest learning curve during this period? Wow. Um, I think just being able to adapt and also try and stay positive and keep my mind busy and active. So I started my first part of my lockdown in America and then I came here in May last year and I've been here ever since. So um, it's actually been the longest time I've been in one country for <laughs> a long amount of time so this is where I was born and raised so a lot of my family's here so that's been really nice um but yeah no lockdown's been a mad one I feel like it's really just hit me this week of the struggle like before I was doing okay I was you know what I mean when I first came here in the summer it was warm you could meet in the park have a picnic and now this kind of winter's hit and don't know it's, it's been a bit of a difficult one but um if i have a bad day then i just build a house in it and and just stay in that bad day but the following day i really try not to have back-to-back um negative days yeah so let's let's move away from lockdown um so let's move more into the beginning sporting and career what, what was your first um, memory of sport Mm, my first memory of me playing sport or me watching sport? Both, really. Well, I grew up, my dad, he's a cyclist. So my dad's six foot six, but loves to ride. So when I was younger, I watched Tour de France. I was into track and field. So I always watched the Olympics, cricket, Formula One, even all sports that my dad was into. Mm. 
Um, so those were kind of what I grew up, but I never started watching basketball until I actually moved to America. I didn't know what the sport was. So okay. I started netball first. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I started netball in year seven or eight in secondary in England. And then I kind of just was playing netball, loved netball. And then I went to a, a school, um, kind of like a rivalry school, but they also had a basketball team. And there was a coach there and he kind of poached me over to basketball. <laughs> so um, that's kind of how I started basketball. And that's when I kind of started to develop my love and also got my growth spurt. So I'm six foot four, but I hit six foot four by 16. Yeah. And I've been this high ever since. So um, it was a lot of learning, learning my body, growing into my body. I was awful at basketball at first, real like gangly and couldn't catch. And <laughs> so, yeah, it was I was always around sport, but I wasn't in basketball till later on um, in my years. Quick question. I have to ask this. Um, did you pick up any any gender biases um, as you was growing up in terms of sports? Were there any? So, in other words, did you feel that being um, a female, you were only really in sync with certain sports? Um, I was kind of a tomboy, so I did what I wanted. And also I tried all sports. When you're year seven, year eight, you try football, you try track. You know, I mean, you do rounders, you do all these sports and you try and find your niche. Um, yeah. So I didn't find a real big gender, you know, pushing one way or the other. Um, yeah. I do find it's much harder for women to be um, successful and um, on, a, on a higher level. It's one of the main reasons why I left England at 16 to move to America to do high school and to get to uni because basketball is not that big here. Um, so I felt that, and even, you know, being in the game for, I don't know, what's 17, 18 years, um, and just trying to push the women's game and be more of a, you know, an, an influencer and kind of help women in sport. It's been hard. Um, and just trying to yeah. see, you know, every, you get kind of, you're always second best. The men always get the, the funding, they get, you know, the broadcasting, they get, um, a lot of of the benefits of being an athlete, so it's always trying to push and to showcase how good women are in general. Yeah, yeah, because could even say that with, for example, netball. Uh, only recently now you're seeing it on. Right, See, and before that, <laughs> yeah, you weren't seeing netball anywhere. So it's still it's still very dominant the funding uh, when. It, compared to women's sport in an area that I think probably looked at a lot more mm -hmm. um, going forward. In terms of teams, what was the first team you joined and how did you go about joining this team? Um, my first team was Harringate Angels. So they were um, out of Greg City Academy in North London. And like I said, I was playing netball there um, for school and then there was a team there. Um, that asked me to come and join. So uh, there was two coaches who was there and just kind of, I joined that team through year like eight and nine um, and I played there till I was 16. And so that's where I really first started. I did play in secondary school and 
and really pushed after I got on this team, really pushed my PE teachers to be like, miss, can we, can we play basketball today? Like, mm. and really, you know what I mean? Mm. Cause unless you really make it, they can, they can make you play any sport you want. So if you say, yeah. miss, can we have play basketball today? Or, you know what I mean? Can we do whatever, whatever's you're interested in, they'll, they're happy to do that. So that's kind of where it first came about. Um, and I just kind of really perfected my skill and really focused in. And then it kind of, uh, a couple English, uh, people from actually Manchester had gone to America first and kind of oh, led yeah. where, um, that was Callum Jones and Lauren Thomas Johnson had gone the year before. Um, yeah. and that kind of then saw a new alleyway to like, wow, I could actually go over to America and play. Yeah. So I guess describe the process of you trying to become an established member within that first team. So, you know, this is all something new to you. So describe that process of transitioning from a new team member to becoming an established team member. Um, definitely it was different, like different phases of my life. Like when I first was in England, I was kind of one of the first really to, to go to America and one of the first to really start putting basketball on the map. And then also just always just kind of always pushing, trying to be the best and then also going to America. Yeah. There were so many different things. Um, yeah, transitioning, um, it was, this is the thing, it was like the game was different. So in England, it was very kind of a bit slower. And and when I went to America, it was really positional. Like there was a post player, there was a point guard. Um, and, mm. and, and then also the game, like I learned my, like, I'll call it like the dog, like the real fight in America. Like they really, they talk, you know, they talk the talk, they talk you know, real trash talk <laughs> and if you're weak, then you're just not, yeah. you're, you're going to crumble, you know? And so I guess that was all <laughs> yeah. position of learning like, all right, well, come yeah. on, let's go. Like I've got this. And I really like to play against men as I was getting better and better and throughout my uh, professional career. Cause they're just, they're faster, they're stronger. And if you can guard them, then you're, you're, you're good. But yeah. So I guess changing to America, um, the game was very different, but then even just the lifestyle, like the food was different. The The money that they put into high school, the money that they put into college, it's a whole, it's a big business. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a lot. It was really different. Um, so just trying to keep establishing that and all those things that I had learned then when I became a pro, um, just try to use all those different gems that I had learned on the way. Um, to keep making myself better, I guess. And um, obviously playing a team sport. With a team sport, not everyone agrees with with everything. Um, did you ever have conflict um, in a team? And if so, how did you deal with it mentally? Um, this is varies between men's basketball and women's basketball. I think <laughs> what I love about men's basketball is that they just punch each other and then they go <laughs> business like just like shut up like you're an idiot you're wrong and then they're like yeah you're right and they go the different way where women I like I had lots of different women coaches I had obviously I'm in a female sport and it's very bitchy I would say at some yeah. time very um 
kind of a lot of stress. And so for me, um, I found it hard playing. I had played for men my whole life um, in high school in England and America. And then I got a female college coach and I felt like she would be mad at us the one day and the following day she would still have that grudge. Mm. And I found that yeah. difficult. Like, okay, you're still pissed about that. Like, can we move on? And that's what I kind of <laughs> found. Um, and then within, like I did, like I had a teammate who, you know, she was the fastest on the team, but would be last on the sprint, you know, and I'll be like, come on, let's go. Like, why are you last? Mm. Like, do better. Like, kind of hold yourself at a standard. Um, so, yeah, that was, it's difficult, but I think it's all part of being a team sport and, it's a singular thing because you have to be at your best for the team to win. But at the same time, if you're not yeah. clicking and joining as a unit, then it doesn't work. Yeah. So it's this fine, it's this weird yeah. fine moment of you want to be the best, but and and give your the team the best, but you still got to be a team player. Um. So yeah. yeah, no, I really enjoyed that part of it, and um. I, yeah. I'd say like college, my sophomore year, yeah, my second year into uni, I really figured out um, like the, like this, like a click moment of the fact of um, if my attitude is crap and I'm just pit, like I just come in and, you know, whatever, your boyfriend or whatever, your girlfriend or family or do you know what I mean? Like you failed your test and that negative energy you bring into the gym, it then, yeah. it then seeps into everyone else and you don't realize how much of like, it kind of is a cancer. And that's why I've, I figured out early in my career, which was a big switch for me of like, wow, if I just leave whatever happened today at the door and I just focus in, in this one to three, four hour practice, however long. Um, yeah. And then after practice, then take that kind of rubbish out with me so yeah. i learned that early and i feel that that was a big game changer in my career okay um one of the things that um, edwin and i have been learning through a lot of our guests is the the impact of family so i guess my next question to you is how did your family background impact your mindset um that's a good question. Well, well, the fact that I moved to America at 16 with no family yeah. uh, was a big thing. Um, and not until recently, my mother actually told me like, and it wasn't until literally only probably six months ago, she was saying, I have a brother and a sister and they're quite like, I wouldn't say soft. That's not the word I'm looking for. More just like loving and you know what I mean very like oh. yeah. and I'm very like hard straight to the mm. point what are we doing here what time do mm. we need to be there are we there on time is it successful like what am I doing like I'm so very structured like that I'm very I don't take any nonsense and mm. and she said to me it was like I think it's because you weren't under my wing and like my, that nurturing yes yeah somebody else brought you up. I had a host family. I lived with my coach's mom. I lived by myself for a long time. So it was like, I had to learn me and I had to learn how I was going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. My parents put 
instilled great values in me and, and, you know, be respectful and karma and all these, I'm a rasta baby. So that's (laughs) how I grew up. Um, so all these kind of spiritual side, that was my parents, but at the same time, it was like, I was left to figure it out. Um, so yeah, I really leaned on when I first moved to America and this is what I tell kids now is like, you should always go like go and try overseas or go to America and try because now there's FaceTime, now there's Zoom, now there's text messaging. When I first moved, I wrote letters home. Like this is just showing my age. Like, oh God. Um, I wrote letters and long distance calls and then the MSN messenger came and then Skype. But like, it's so easy now. Um, where before it is quite difficult but my family has always been supportive of what I wanted to do and obviously my mum and my dad letting me leave without their guidance or um you know that protection was quite a big move for me and for them to let me go yeah and would you say obviously that that was a big sacrifice would you say there was other sacrifices you had to make to become a professional basketball my whole life (laughs) my whole life (laughs) I missed uh weddings birthdays births funerals um I missed everything and for me it was like it was just weird fine balance of do I go or do I stay here um but what I realized is that every time I left and I came back everyone was still the same everyone was Mm. doing the same um Mm. They weren't, you know what I mean? I wasn't missing anything too significant other than celebrations. Um, So that's kind of what I think was the hardest thing of missing all those. But other than that, yeah, probably I would say that. Okay. Um, Talk to us about a time where doubt kicked in and, and this was before you made it as a professional. Oh... Um, doubt only kicked in as a professional. Okay. Mm. Um, but <laughs> I'm trying to think at, at a younger age. Um, only right. No, at the, when I was younger, kind of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I homesick? Am I going to move back? But doubt never kicked in until I was older, and it was more just the opinion of somebody else. Okay. coach made me doubt myself and um, I'm a born leader like you know some people I guess you can learn it and so I'm a true believer like you're a born leader <clears throat> and that's what I am and yeah. uh, and I was on a team and he wasn't letting he brought me on that team to kind of be a captain and a leader and he was kind of um, I don't know talking down to me making me feel some type of way and mm-hmm made me doubt me mm. like I knew what I brought to the table why did yeah. you bring him so that was like the biggest thing I would say that made me doubt but that wasn't until my like three four years into my career but younger doubt um I don't know if I had you know I just felt like I would see different failures and be like I can't be like I've got to get for instance in in um high school you have to get a 3.0 so basically you need C's across the board or higher to play 
and I, and you couldn't play if you didn't have those C's. So for me, I could see my teammates or other people on the bench and they couldn't come. And I'm like, I can't, I can't be that. What is, what do I need to do? I need to study more. You know, mm. I didn't have a boyfriend till later on in that, like 18, 19. I just mm. completely focused in on basketball and school. Mm. Like, yeah, I just couldn't fail and I couldn't let people down. So doubt for me isn't, um, isn't a big thing in my mindset. And in terms of obviously you played basketball for a while, um, was there any big changes you saw in the game during that period um, that you were playing? Oh, big changes. Um, well, when I first started, the key was uh, this kind of triangly kind of shape I can't think of where it went but it kind of went out from the free throw line then it came in straight so that was the biggest change um but I guess the only change I would say within myself is actually learning the game better and slowing it down and um and the biggest change in me sorry is catching the ball nobody's telling you for the ball you don't realize like how important the catches yeah. catch and then make the move or you catch then see what the defense is doing um so that was a big thing but in the game um oh i would say um the handles became sick and nasty like the, especially in the women's game like they just became tighter and smoother and the jump shot you don't really see like a a smooth off a dribble into a jump shot quick quick um, for women and that has really developed and then the big also so the four five man outside shooting so now can shoot the three can also bring the ball up it has really like evolved to one through five can do one through five so your five can start the the, the offense you know what I mean your one can post up cool. so I would say that has changed it's really fluid now it's not the post go to the post yes you know, typically that's how it works, but it's yeah. become very fluid. I would say is the is the real change. How did you mentally prepare um, for each match? So before each match, um, how did you mentally prepare? Um, prepare? Did you have any um, rituals, pre-match rituals? Yeah. Um, how did I prepare? Okay, so I was quite big on my scout report. Um, scout report as general like what they like to do as a team and then the one or two players that I would be guarding what's their favorite move you know are they a lefty are they a shooter is it over the shoulder um so I'd like to really watch film and um go over my scout so that was one um good thing to prepare um uh, my ritual was I always put my right sock and my right shoe on, even <laughs> till this day. Like, I get to the front door to go put my shoe on and I pick up the left arm and I d- dash it on the floor. I'm like, no, 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 where's the right? Like, the right. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, it, I just think it's, you know, I just get scared something bad's going to happen. Um, and then also, uh, I always take a nap. Like, I had so much so that one time I had a morning game and my coach made us go to shoot around. So we had like at 8.30 or 9 a.m. shoot around at 10 
And then our game was at 12. So we were leaving at 11 and I literally had 15 minutes to nap. And I literally closed my eyes, fell asleep and the alarm went off in 15 minutes. I was like, ah, I'm better now. Like, fine. (laughs) So even with 10 to 15 minutes or two to three hours when I lived in Spain and they had siesta, Mm. uh, I always needed a nap. I would have loved that life, that siesta life. (laughs) (laughs) It's serious. They take it real serious in Spain nothing's open you can't even go to a shop even if you want to so they take it real serious over there and yeah playing the game obviously from when you started things change in terms of fans how was it like playing in front of fans compared to no fans um it's i guess it's kind of like now in the bubble of like this covid thing of no fans it's like you really you have to kind of motivate yourself self-motivation is so important because um, the adrenaline of fans and, you know, the crowd and people getting screaming and shouting or even them shouting awful things to you. I've played in, te- like, dreams where, you know, they're really shouting and they've got their drums and they're drunk before they get there. <laughs> in a country, uh, they were there before we turned up and was already on the bevies. So wow. that was interesting. Um but yeah, fans for me, I really love it. I think just the biggest crowd was the Olympic Games for me. Um, was a big, like, just you run in and obviously we're the home team and everyone just roars. Mm. Uh, was sensational. Like, that is probably the biggest, like, you know, your blood just gets going and it can really change momentum. Yeah. You know, especially if one or two plays go in and now the crowd's into it. Um, I think it's the biggest part of the game and I think it's such a big thing for now that you're seeing uh, NBA or even Premiership without any fans it's it's tough it's tough to debate yourself it's tough to come out there and who are you doing it for like okay for my family but like you know (laughs) it's not not the same not the same Um, so yeah it's, it's definitely part of the game and really fun to have fans, especially home fans. Yeah, but uh, were there people that played better without fans? I don't think I've ever played anywhere without fans, okay. really. I had, I played, where was I? I was in Hungary and we had lost to like a really terrible team <laughs> the game before. And so our home fans to like spite us or to like really show us a lesson they didn't come in until the second quarter so our wow. home fan part was empty <laughs> wow like, yo where are the fans at like they really pissed up <laughs> is, is this what life is and then as soon as the second quarter the buzzer went they came in with their drums and was like ah, and came back in I was like hey wow so we really can't lose to bum teams no more guys or our fans they turn up <laughs> Talk to us about your experience playing at the Olympics. Wow. 2012 in Stratford. Tell us. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment. Um, I have a lot of favorite moments, really. Um, one, it was at home, so that was amazing. Um uh, oh, where do I even start? Um, opening ceremony, like 
I'll never forget that moment. They lined us all up because we were the home nation, so we were last in. They lined us sports A to Z in sports. Um, and so we had this long walk to the arena, to the, to the track stadium. And yeah. we started jumbling up. It was weird. Like we were with boxing and then all of a sudden you're back in rowing and like all these, everyone was all messed up. And then right, we got to the door and they're like, everyone like in formation. And it was like an army. Everyone was like <laughs> A, B, C, D, like everyone in. And they're like, okay, no cameras. Don't use your camera, your phone or whatever. And wave to the queen on the right. So I'm like, oh my God, Queenie's going to be here. Like, what? <laughs> the like, thing which was hilarious after the fact. Obviously, we couldn't see that. But so we walk in and the roar goes up and we all started filming. We forgot to wave to Queenie on the right. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was um, like probably the my favorite part of the Olympic Games, which was amazing. Um, how London rallied around the games i thought we put on a really um lovely spectacle of london itself and the support in sport so that was amazing um we got to play usa in a warm-up game two weeks before in manchester yeah yeah that was really cool to see obviously the great Kobe, LeBron, the men's team, and then playing the women's team who then won gold. Um, and we were actually winning 16 to seven and then Gino called a timeout and then the storm hit, but we were beating USA at one point. Um, so that was cool. And then obviously they came into the, they, USA actually don't stay in the uh, village because their entourage is just way too big. So they, People don't know that, but they don't stay really in. So that was cool to hang out with them. Um, but yeah, just all the games. And then my favorite moment also, last one, is um, our first game. It was a night game. So we were the last tip at 10.15 p.m. Yeah. So we really had to train. We had an older um, player on our team who just went to bed at like 7, 8. She was an early bird. So we had to like... <laughs> Train her to stay up late to 10 oh, wow. so we had oh, wow. 15 tips and um our first one was against australia and we line up in the hallways to the hallway to go out and to be called out and this is like lauren jackson liz cambage big big boy names and we line up and they line up and we literally look at each other and it was like like you know movies like when the war line like yeah. lines all like ah like one for all <laughs> just a moment this is what i'm trying to pitch like like we're we're looking at each other across this hallway not that far probably a meter apart and we're just looking at them like yo i'm about to take your head off like <laughs> how we look to each other it was amazing and then they run out the crowd boos and then we run out and there's cheer and wow yeah, so those are some of my fondest memories of the game. It must be amazing to, to just be in that environment. Yeah, it was it was unreal, really. And then also one of the funnest moments also was I was in the Metro newspaper um, okay. and it was a big spread over two papers and my dad got the train and my mum told me the story that he was then just flicking through the paper and didn't know that I was going to be in it. And then he... <laughs> 
and was like, what? And was like running up and down the train, like, this is my daughter. Look, she's in the paper. Like, so <laughs> cute moment. And I think there was like a little picture of him in there. So he's like, look, this is me. <laughs> like, <laughs> so really good. Great moments. Oh, that's good. Um, in terms of if someone young now is listening and they were interested in basketball, but let's say they were at the age of 15, 16, mm-hmm. what advice and what tips would you give them um, to potentially join a team? Um, how would they go about that? Um, well, I think also, like I said, about speaking to your PE teacher, yeah. uh, making sure that you're you know, working on your game where you can at school and then just trying to reach out or maybe ask your teacher of any local teams. Yeah. And now with Instagram and, you know, the youth games was big uh, when I was younger to find teams and just like your local teams. So I would say kind of that. Um, advice is work on simple things. Like everyone sees like, you know, Steph Curry doing all these amazing moves and it's just (laughs) throw it away like don't that's not how you start basketball don't start at the three-point line trying to shoot threes shoot layup first all real technique and and fine-tuning really simple um skills um like the art of catching like i said catching is such a big deal and when you're younger i feel like you really have to um just improve on those small things so i i i don't really coach but it was funny my sister's next door neighbor like she had this teenage boy and she was like you're that basketball player aren't you i'm like yeah she's like please coach my son and i'm like no (laughs) like that's not what i do like sorry and anyway, I ended up going to Turnpike Lane, the Duckett's Common Courts. And like I was doing, like seeing him like three times a week, I think. And um, yeah, just really working on like passing and shooting and around the rim and and um, your options of different things, like the pick and the roll and, and just really making the game simple because I think people make it so crazy difficult and, and overthink things. Yeah. Um, so yeah okay can you talk to us about the importance of young girls um, playing sports I think it's so important like and for me now being older and just really like for my mental health and for my health uh, how important it is just to get moving and I feel like when I was younger I had I remember girls who would bunk PE or didn't want to be in sports, you know, because it was, they sweated or, you know, they were larger up the top or very developed or, do you know what I mean? It was all these different things that factored into it. And it's really just, even if you are there, it's such a social event, especially in team sports. I don't know how, I would love to speak to somebody who plays tennis, who's like by themselves. Cause I just can't manage, manage, like imagine, sorry, being by myself, <laughs> but just girls and sports, like you can go with your friends, you know, you can meet other people. Um, and that's one of the biggest things for me playing basketball is the amount of different women and really the sisterhood that I've gained from basketball is yeah. tremendous. I have lifelong friends from from the game, but it's just so important just to, you know, healthy eating and, and being active and moving and 
And yeah, and especially as much as we don't like to talk about it, we are in a lockdown. And so it is important that we just, even if you're going for a walk, I think people underestimate walking. They think that they need to hit gym and they need to start running, go for a walk, like get the heart rate up, get it moving. And you don't realize how much your mind just is switched on and and feeling good and in a different and just a positive light so not only women i think men as well yeah yeah i would say the beginning of especially the the first lockdown and when i when everyone was staying at home i think that affects me mentally um and it was only like walking doing loads of walking and stuff like that that kind of helped me um you don't realize the importance of that unless you're doing it yeah so it's so true just get out and start somewhere. But I mean, obviously it's been cold. So this one being people are like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm staying in there. <laughs> but so how do you stay motivated with home workouts? You know, there's so many good Instagram um, you know, uh workout things now that you can do at the house. And yeah. so um there's so many options now. Yeah. There is. Um, in terms of um, sport, did they provide any support when it came to psychologists? Um, yeah, I actually had my first psychologist I had in college yeah. in America. Um, he was a British guy, actually, Dr. Spencer Wood. Um, and that was my first encounter of a sport psychologist. And I didn't really know what to think of it. I thought... Mm, I don't know. You know, you always think of like, you lay down on the couch and you tell them your problems. Like (laughs) this is what I had in my head. Um, But it was really nice just to like have somebody to teach you tips and the tips and tricks of like how your mind works. And it was funny because I just um, messaged him actually. And this was years ago. I met him in 2000 and like, uh, maybe 10 and still I have his number and he's open to conversation but he taught me like um, when you're having this negative thought or fear or doubt um, you put the red you know the American red stop sign Yeah. you put it in your yeah. face no like stop that this is what we're going to do mm. or this is the mm. how it should be done and so I learned that like 10, 15 years ago and still in my head. Um, but it's good and it teaches you just so many little things about obviously, like I said, about being a singular and in a team. And if you're not in a good space, then it really trickles and affects um, the team. But uh, yeah, I've had one in college. I had one for the Olympic team, which was so important. And then now I have one in my real life. I have a, a therapist in real life. So um, for me, really, really beneficial, um, just different ways to manage, um, you know, yourself. Maybe if you are being, if you are stressed or anxiety, writing it down, um, yeah. I've uh, writing down my, my feelings or depression or whatever, and then going back and reading them and being like, wow, that's where I was yeah. however many months ago. So I'm a fan, really. I'm a fan of them. Okay. Um, I guess my next question is, what is the support like for 
pregnant athletes or pregnant professionals? Is there a stigma or is that is it taken positively? Um, yeah, so my question, yeah, is how are pregnant professionals um, taken? This is an interesting question. This is definitely changing. I feel like the last couple years, um, females have really been pushing that is part of life, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like it's a struggle for women because your professional career isn't very long anyway. So it's like, do you want to fit? When do you want to have that baby? Um, but I've had teammates who have had kids and have come back or have got kids and the kids on the sideline and the team is very supportive. <laughs> um, but then I've heard of like, well, I know a track, a track lady who lost her Nike sponsorship from yeah. she became pregnant and yeah. then they cut her. Mm. Um, and so I feel like we're really forcing and I feel like um, Serena Williams having Olympia, I feel like has really helped women mothers as a whole to show that you can have a child, you can still come back and be the greatest of all time and be successful. Um, so I think the last real couple of three to five years has really made a big push for women um, yeah. and having kids, but it's hard. It's, it's such a, not only emotionally, I know, I know actually one of my teammates um, was pregnant early in her season and then also came back, but it's a big time, um, you know, she had a, a C-section and it's a big time surgery and then coming back. It's a lot on the body. And I really commend mothers coming back because I don't think many of you men would be able to do that. So I'm just going to throw that little dick in there. <laughs> Not really sure. So, but I, I think it's amazing. I've had previous teammates with kids and it really, um, you know, gives this sense of what well, like family and commodity and just gets everyone together. So yes, yeah, I feel like we've definitely seen a, a big change within mothers and uh, in the sport. Okay. And playing playing in that sport or in basketball for such a while, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've taken out of basketball that you can use in your everyday life? Um, good question. Um, I think discipline. Yeah. Uh, for me, schedule, they call me Big Ben, like I'm never late. For me, it's like you would, in some teams, you would get fined if you're not on the bus. If yeah. you're on time, you're late. So that's how I've kind of lived my life. Um, mm -hmm. It's just respectful to respect other people's time. Yeah. Um, but also just like basketball has given me a free education. I, you know, I've got my degree. Um, it's travel. I've traveled from... China, Australia, all over Europe. Um, it's taken me around the world and I've spent zero pounds on on that travel, you know, or I came out of uni debt-free um, <clears throat> because of the sport. So for me, and like I said before, my sisterhoods and all the friends and people like from the psychologists I can still call, I have girlfriends that I still, you know, come and see me or I go see them or it's a real, it's still part of my life. And even now that I'm retired, I still work with the GB team and I also commentate. So I'm still in the game. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been my life and it still is my life. So mm -hmm. 
smaller slice, but um, yes. So I would always recommend not only just basketball, but just getting into a sport because there's so many different avenues um, that it can take you. Um, one of the things that I can remember being at 15, 16, first playing football and playing against men and you just running past them and them just literally blowing out of breath and you just laughing. And then 10, 12 years later, I come and yeah, I'm that person. <laughs> but 18 year olds are absolutely flying past you. <laughs> and you thinking, what, what's going on? For you as a professional, when did you get to that stage or that age where you realized, oh snap, I can't keep up anymore. I need to conserve my energy. <laughs> um. Kind of coming to the end of my career, uh, and yeah. that's kind of when I knew, like, oh, Z, like, these knees are hurting. I'm not as fast as the little kids, but I'll usually, especially I do with this with boys. Like, if I'm playing against boys, I'll if they're younger, obviously I can't do this to a grown man, but actually I've done it to a grown man. I'll grip him up and say, "Listen, you dunk on me, and certain things are going missing. Like, don't mess with." <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Uh, to slow them down. But I feel like rookies and younger people, they just are so enthusiastic and just so excited and they want to show out. And I'm not here for that, man. It's just waste of energy. You know what I mean? Smart movements. Um, but I definitely I definitely had those, those times. Um, but then also as a, a veteran, you do, re- the game just changes. You just realize like, you're wasting all your energy doing that when you could just turn and set the screen and you get the same like result. Like, so you go through all those moments of being young and dumb. Um, but you need that. You need those young bucks because they bring that energy that you sometimes can't. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I've definitely had a few of those moments. Um, but I love, I love a rookie. I feel like they are so, especially in the women's game I feel like they're very like eager to learn teach me everything and I try and give back as much as I can to to especially the younger women um and just even being open to saying hey here's my number if you got any problems or issues or help call just shoot me a text and I'm I'm here for you so yeah it's always fun I'm not running after them anymore though (laughs) (laughs) Um, finally, um, growing up, who who would you say were your sporting heroes? Man, um, well, I, basketball-wise, well, because I didn't know basketball until I was like 16, 17. So growing up, I, it was like Kathy Freeman. You remember Kathy Freeman? Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One-piece running suit, like her and I just thought she was amazing um I always watched the Venus sisters the Venus and Serena sorry William sisters um but it was a lot of like sports that wasn't basketball even Lance Armstrong Michael Schumacher like I used I just used to watch all these sports with my dad and just the best of the best and how they won and how they celebrated and what they did and what getting through a tournament so for me that was my younger days and then once I moved to America um I really started to get I used to like just watching teams like I don't have a favorite team like somebody's like who you know who's your team I don't have a team or a person I just enjoy complete basketball so I love the Spurs 
I loved how Popovich really just gets them and they play a European type game. Um, so I used to yeah. love them. Uh, yeah, there's so I, I didn't really, there wasn't anyone too crazy. And now um, it's Temi Fagbenle, who's on the GB women's team, you know, played the Olympics with me yeah. on the WNBA. Uh, is one of the not only best players in Great Britain, but in Europe. And it's really paving the way um, for Great Britain women and just women's basketball. So she's quite my idol now. So, yeah, I've had many different. I just enjoy the game. Like, even now that I commentate, I just, I love the game of basketball. Like, it makes me, gets me so excited. Zanya, um, I guess on behalf of myself and Edwin, we are eternally grateful um, for this interview. Um, and I'm sure all of our listeners, not just young listeners, will definitely take something from it. So really, 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 really thank you. Hopefully we can get you on again sometime. Thank you so much for having me. And like I said, if anyone at Instagram, Zania13 or Twitter, whatever, if somebody has a question or want to ask more or don't be afraid to DM message, I don't know. Um, and I'm here to help. So thank you so much, guys. That was really fun. Thank you very much. And until next time, guys, take care. Stay safe. We'll be right